Okay, welcome Katrina to No Excuses Real Inspiration with Scott Marshall. So I'm here today to find out about your fitness journey. So for all the viewers that don't know you, um, give a wee intro of who you are and what you do, please. Well, my name is Katrina Dunn and I am a Bachelor of Science. Uh, I, I knew I was going to mug that up. Basically, <laughs> my name is Katrina Dunn, I'm a sports therapist and I'm a graduate sports therapist. So I graduated from Teachage University in 2014. And following that, I then went on and did a postgraduate diploma in sports and exercise science and medicine. Fantastic. So, you know, um, we're going to go right back to the beginning. You know, what kind of activities or sports were you involved in within school? Uh, well, when I was a kid, I was a very sporty kid, so I was into all sorts. Give me a ball, I give me a bat, and I'm happy to go ahead and do it. Um, but my main sport was football. Right, um, okay. So getting into football at an early age, had the ball at my feet since I was a teeny top. And then just slowly as the years go on, I then get into football properly, playing with various school teams. So went from primary school to secondary school and then followed on from there. Now, fantastic. So you obviously mentioned you played. Uh, did you play for a, a number of teams? and? Yeah, played a few teams. Um, I was in trial with Celtic at one point, but we won't speak about that. And then played with Motherwell, Rainthrough, Glasgow Girls, um, and then played with the university team as well. Nah, fantastic. Are you still playing just now? Or? Nah, I've gave that up. The knee can't handle it anymore. And you get through it, 30 girls all in one group. It's not a good idea. It's a lot of <laughs> moaning, a lot of bitching, and you're just like, oh, keys peace. Aye, aye. Nah, good. Um, cool. So what position did you play? Uh, it's a funny one. I was never coached football, so whenever any anyone, anytime someone asked me that what position to play, I was always oh, I don't know, I don't know. So I kind of started off at left back, and then moved into left wing, and then moved into strikers role. And with various teams that I was with, there was never enough girls to field a full eleven half the time. So sometimes you find yourself playing at centre back or midfield, or ah, even right. sometimes even in goals. Ah right, good. Did you score many goals? No, I was never a great striker, I must admit. <laughs> I was always good at getting into areas and always good at getting folk kind of pushing that wee bit up, but I was never a great finisher, I must admit. All ah, right, okay. It well, doesn't do help either. Please tell me at least you've scored one goal, aye. I have scored one goal, aye. All ah, right, good, good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. So <laughs> You can't see the football and you've not scored at least a goal. <laughs> <laughs> Too right. So was there any challenges for yourself growing up, Katrina? Oh, there was loads of challenges. Um, talking about specifically football, I remember being in primary in central school, sorry, and they kept we we the copy. So copy was basically where you had so many boys and so many girls who had actually picked P as a core subject. Yeah, I remember in that class, our P teacher saying to the lads, "They won't play five aside or ten aside because there was quite a lot of boys in the team that they, in the class at that time." So that's how we all go and play football. And then he hands me and five other girls a hockey stick. He was like, I was going to play hockey. And I just kind of looked and thought, why can't we play football? Aye. And he was like, dead dismissive. And was totally like, oh, girls can't play football. Yeah. And it totally angered me. So I was in such a huff. Wasn't caring about hockey. Although I'm a sporty person and I like all sports, I just wasn't caring. I wasn't hitting the ball properly. I was mucking about, not yeah. paying attention. And I just remember the ball kind of rolling over towards us. And a few of the lads were shouting, Tina, Tina, like he's a ball. And I remember just wailing it and it hit top corner and I just looked at the teacher and I was just like, ah, see, told you. So we, 
you have to prove a point like we could actually play football. Aye. So I remember that very, very clearly. It was just so annoying. Aye. But that was my that was my first challenge I ever remember. Right, cool. And then so you obviously mentioned that you're a sports therapist now, yeah? Yes, I am. Yeah. So so how did that come about? How did you get involved with that? Um that was just by sheer accident. Uh, so when I had finished when I was in school, I was heart set on being a paramedic. Um, go through the careers choices, speak to different people, primary themselves. And you get taught a lot of different stories and what your career avenue you should pick and how your subjects are going for that. So I picked all my subjects knowing that I was going to go into paramedic science and become a paramedic. Yeah. And then I get put off it. So because I get put off it, I then didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just had this idea that I wanted to be in some sort of fitness. Yeah. So that then took me to become a personal trainer and I thought, right, I'll go and become a personal trainer. But while I was studying in health and fitness, I was also playing with ladies at the time. And I remember receiving quite a bad challenge where I tore my medial ligament. And we started a new block on that following Monday. So that was the Sunday. So the next day when I got back to college, we started a new block on injuries. And the lecture that we had for that was so passionate about injuries. And he was a PT himself. And it was his input into teaching that class that I thought, Actually, I quite like this. Like that that sounds like what I've yeah. got. So it kind of sparked the interest about the injury side of things and how to treat it, how to assess it, how to diagnose it, how to rehabilitate it. So that's kind of where the, the sports therapy or the physio like sort of kind of career started from. Nah, good. And then for yourself, obviously, you've been involved with sport for many years now. So for yourself personally, what does fitness mean to you? Um, oh, good question, actually. Fitness. Probably a number of different things. Just first and foremost, happiness. So a lot of folk, with me especially, when you talk about fitness, when you get into fitness in the gym, it just releases those feel-good endorphins where you're just like, oh, thank God, a weight has just been taken off your shoulders. Yeah. So that's probably the number one factor for me. Just the fact that it helps you make you feel a little bit more calmer, a little bit more happier. Where just for that hour, hour and a half, however long you're in there, half an hour, whatever, you don't think about anything else other than what you're doing and you actually get that feel-good environment off it as well. So I would say that's probably my number one, but generally overall, health. So yeah. this is great for your health, great for your mood twins, your physical health, mental health, things like that. Yeah. Just overall, yeah. No. And then obviously you mentioned that you've got a clinic, yeah. Yeah. So, so how did how did you cope um, with lockdown, Katrina? Um, it was a struggle. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but I'm one of the lucky ones. I must admit. So, I'm in a fortunate place where my landlord didn't ask me to pay any rent while the building was closed. Yeah. Whereas I know people who've got clinics and their landlords still made them pay rent. So yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I had to lose their clinics. Um, but it was a struggle. I did financially had to use what savings I had in order to what I planned on doing was buy, it was buying my own house. So I had to use those savings in order to live and pay my own bills without yeah. the work, just like everybody else would. But thankfully, I was actually okay. First lockdown, I got a bit of bad advice. I, I took that, I learned from it, and then put that into the second lockdown where I changed a few things. And then that actually worked for the better and made everything a lot easier for myself. Yeah. So I can't complain, I must admit. No, good. And then with your your clients, did you, you know, keep in communication with them like via Zoom or, you know, phone calls, emails? 
Yeah, we did. So the purely massage basically um, patients, I didn't keep in top with them so much, just purely because a lot of a lot of folks think massage is just something that they take for granted, something that's just a, a treat, like they go watch it, it feels quite good. Yeah. One of them. But for me, the ones that I paid specific attention to was the ones who had injuries. And I had loads of had loads of patients that had ACL tears, hip impingement, shoulder impingement, things like that, quite chronic or quite kind of acute leading into chronic injuries if they hadn't got dealt with. Yeah. So I paid more attention to them. Again, text message, email, things like that, where we kept in constant communication, asked how the injury was getting on, was there any issues, where they were at at their point in rehab. Was it easier? Was it hard then? Did we have to increase or decrease it? Things like that. Yeah. So by being in constant communication with them, we managed to overcome those challenges. And thankfully, there wasn't actually any that came back to it. We were like, oh my God, we took 20 years. No, good. And then, so see, obviously, coming back to work, um, how have you found, found business? Have you found it quiet? You got busier? Just run about the same? Honestly, I, I sometimes want to tear my hair out. It is so busy. I'm just like, oh my God, where'd I go? Like, I'm, I feel like I'm getting pulled for two places, right. which is a great complaint to have. I mean, like I say, I'm probably one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Um, but that's not without hard work, I must admit. Yeah. So if I didn't put that effort in and that hard work in pre-COVID, yeah. I probably wouldn't be in this situation that I'm in just now. So I have to give myself a wee pat in the back for that one. Nah, good. But, <laughs> it's good um, to be busy though, eh? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're really, really quiet, you're sitting about putting your thumbs, all sorts of be going through your head. You're thinking, what am I doing? Why isn't one see me? Where am I going wrong? Things like that. You start yeah. things playing your head and thinking, overdrive, what's happening? So I must admit, I, I'm pretty thankful that I was pretty busy. No, good. And then, so what's your bad habits within the gym? Oh, bad habits. Um, too many. I would say probably my number one bad habit is I get lost in a wee world of my own and I end up adding exercises on and adding more on right, and adding okay. more on to a point where I then walk out the gym going, oh my God, I can't walk. Yeah. Struggle to walk, can't go downstairs, can't even drive the car home. Yeah. So I would say that's probably a bad habit of mine. Um, and also I sometimes like watch people and I'm still, I don't mean to, uh, people that go to the gym and me or people seeing the gym, they're like, why oh, is she staring at me? But I've got a really bad habit of watching people. And I think that goes back to like, my training in college and my university days, where we were taught to watch people and how people yeah. were walking and moving. And not necessarily what they're doing right or what they're doing wrong, but just watching how they're doing things. So I can't help but being a gym looking at somebody and going, oh, they've got a dripped shoulder. Oh, their hips turning in. Oh, their arches are... And it drives me insane. Nah, I totally get that because, like, when I used to go to the gym, you know, before I became an instructor, I wouldn't pay attention to anything Yeah, else. you don't. But see, as soon as you do your training, you pick everything up and you're, you're, you constantly watch other people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely do, yeah. And I actually remember, we were sitting in one of the anatomy classes one day and uh, one of my lecturers at um, college, sorry, and I remember him saying that. He literally was halfway through teaching a certain part of the, the course um, on this model, and he was like, by the way, you'll never look at an individual the same again. And we all just kind of looked at each other and we were like, what, what are you talking about? And he was like, after today's session, you're not going to leave this room and look at somebody the same way. You're going to right. be like, they're doing this, they're doing that, and you'll hate it. 
and I, you do advise me saying something. <laughs> Even my pals, I better chop my pals, and I'll be like, I did a collapse last night, would you shut up? <laughs> <laughs> so, would you say as well that, um, you know, with the gym reopening and your clinic reopening, it's definitely a benefit for mental health? Oh, I, a massive, massive benefit. It's great to see it being back opened again. The big thing that I struggled with returning back to uh, back to clinic was because there was a lot of restrictions, I couldn't take patients in as and when I could, like I could before, yeah. which is absolutely fine. There's restrictions in place for a reason that's there to keep everybody clean, and, well, keep everybody safe, yeah. I mean, um, and keep the gym clean. But it would, before, you would be like, right, okay, how's things been? Oh, it's not been the greatest. I'm struggling with this exercise. So you'd be like, right, before we do a treatment or before we go any further, let's go to the gym and let's see what you're doing. Yeah. Do you be able to look at somebody and say, right, okay, well, what's your technique? Right, you're doing something right or you're doing something wrong. And it could be the simplest thing that you need to take, but you just you had that restriction in place where you couldn't you couldn't take your patient into the gym and look at them and see what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And it was so frustrating to a point where I actually had to ask patients to go to the gym and cruise and get somebody to record them or take a photo of them and say, right, show me what are you doing? What are you doing in order for this to happen? Yeah. And it wasn't what it was, was. That was the big thing that I hated about the whole gym thing. But see, once that had lifted, just the sheer change in mental health was massively. I became less stressed. The patient himself became less stressed because you could instantly go, I that's what you're doing wrong. Right, fixed, yeah. totally done. And then you started seeing the progression from there. But take that out of it, just getting back into a gym, massive relief. I don't know about everybody else. I live in a cottage flat, so there's not enough, enough space for me to do any gym work. Yeah. So I had to rely on going outside, and I picked up running a bit more again. I stopped running because of an injury that I had. Yeah. So I went back to running, but then that injury kept on coming back and coming back, and it's something that's always going to be there and may never go away. So that was frustrating for me. So when the gym opened back up again, I thought, thank God, I can do something else now. Nah, good. So you obviously mentioned you go to the gym, yeah? Right, so when, you, so, so when you're in the gym, uh, what type of music motivates you? Oh, I like a bit of everything. Yeah. Honestly, it depends on my mood before I even go to the gym, I think. And I think it depends on what I'm doing. So today, like, today was an interval session on the treadmills, and I just wasn't in the mood at all. Just, I lost my driving licence, I lost my car keys, I couldn't find anything, I had 101 things to do this morning. And that was one of the ones we were just like, I just need to go here and get this done. Yeah. So to boost up, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but to boost up my energy to do it, I put on like the girliest, cheesiest pop songs I could find. <laughs> and I was like, right, go for it. To a point where I actually caught myself singing in the gym while I was running the gym and thought, do you want to shut up? Like, <laughs> I can't hold a note. Right, okay. So <laughs> imagine, you know, all that happened today, right? And then your playlist mucked up and it put the worst type of music on. What would that be? Oh, heavy metal. Heavy metal. I, I can't see that screaming in your ear and not able to make a single word out. I, no, I can't. Go. So something, I, I'd end up leaving. Something like Slipknot or something. No, mm-mm, forget it. No. Aye. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> right. Okay. Like I said, I probably left the gym. <laughs> So apart from that, your, your days went all right, aye? It's been all right, aye. aye. Once, I, once I get bypassed, it's been grand. Okay, so what would be your favourite exercise to do? Oh, um, 
just because I'm probably evil, I quite like having monster walk. Right. Okay. Or, in fact, some people call them crab walks. I just discovered Aye. this the other day. Um, so monster walk, crab walk, or a side walk. A theraband going to either your ankles or your knees. And yep. Just wee side steps. Yeah, yeah. A good booty burner. And I must admit, every patient would say horrible things. And I give them that one. Okay. And then, say you were, you went into the gym and uh, you were going to a class, say like a circuit class, what would be the worst exercise for somebody to give you? Oh, a burpee. A burpee? <laughs> and I tell you why, when I, I was on trial with Selfie at the time, I was around training. In fact, there was two entities, but this is one in particular. We're training, um, just a really simple, like, can I pass through a striking thing? And the defender totally waked me out. Right. But when the defender waked me out, she caught my hip. So ever since that day, and I was maybe about 14, 15 at the time, and ever since then, my hip's never been right. Right, okay. So I'm just painting a picture that I need to go to a therapist myself. That's exactly. not really good, is it? <laughs> okay, so what's your pet hate about a gym? That obviously you you watch other people you know within the gym as well. So what's your? Oh, we got. Um. Right. I hate people on the phones. So just yeah. sitting on machines and on the phones. I don't mind people recording like what they've did. Not everybody yeah. takes pen and paper. That's fine. But when you're getting people that are just flicking through Instagram or Facebook, Aye. sending like streams and streams of messages, and you're like, yes. wait, move. You've been on that for twenty minutes. No, you only did one set. Get off it. Exactly. Um. So I, that's that's probably a big bug bearer. And I hate, I, this is going to, I don't know what this is going to sound like, but you know when you get lasses that walk in a gym with full face and makeup on, yes. and it's the hair flicking, it's the, <laughs> they go, oh my God, is that me? What, I, no, I get out. Aye. And the same with the lads, we see the lads on the front of the gym, I'll take the photos and they're like, posing, or, no, no, same you go. t-shirts up and whatever. Aye, as you get the nipple sliding out, and you're like, what made that go? Out. Ah, I'd have right. a big red sign up says do not do not come in if you've got all of these. Well, you could then introduce that. You could put that forward. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody would be in my So, what's your best memory of your fitness journey? Best memory? Oh, do you know, actually, when I was at college, so my, my very first college was in North Glasgow. Or it's now called, I think it's called Kelvin Hall or North Kelvin or something like that's called now. Yeah, yeah. Um, just up at Springburn. Um, we did an, an NQ in health and fitness. And part of that was to get a chance to go to the residential camp. And we were Lanzarote. So it's Club of Santa. And see if nobody's ever been and you're right into your fitness, I highly recommend it. Yeah. So that was great. That was a week in the sun, exercising all day, every day. And it was just absolutely fabulous. Like, you were knackered. Yeah. nine o'clock, you were sleeping, you were absolutely done in because you were in heat all day. But it was great. So you had things like attack and combat and step, yoga. I'm not a yoga person. I would certainly wasn't at the time either, but oh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was great. Yeah. Um, I did my first 10K. I was 17. Yeah. did my first ever 10K. I felt great with it. did my first ever triathlon. Not triathlon, sorry, triathlon. Yeah. That was hard, but it was good. So, but yeah, Club of Santa was amazing. So that was my, I would say that's my earliest and my best memory, I would say. Yeah. And then, so obviously, you know, you work with a lot of clients, but for yourself, do you track your own fitness goals within the gym? Yeah, I do. So I keep a diary 
and I must admit I'm a bit of a geek. I've got a 12-week plan already set out, so I know what I'm doing each day I'm in there. Sometimes it doesn't go to plan, because like I said earlier on, you get people that sit on equipment for like 20 minutes without even doing anything. And sometimes don't get a chance to get on to it. And right now with COVID, you can't say don't work in together or double up yeah. or whatever. So sometimes I find where if I've got a specific exercise I want to do, I can't get doing it. So I need to change it around. So sometimes I need to quickly think of my feet or quickly go into Google and play, but I need something I can change this for. Yeah. Um, Alternative, yeah. Exactly, okay. yeah. So I keep it that area for that. So what's the one thing that you would like to achieve within your journey in the next year? Oh, do you mean personally, fitness-wise? Personally, fitness-wise, yeah. Um, my big, my big goal just now is to try and lose. Well, maybe not in the next year, but my main goal is to try and lose twenty kilo. Okay. If lose twenty kilo. That's my my big goal. So step by step, we'll slowly achieve that. Yeah, mail at a time, you know. Well, that's it. Yeah, you just need to set yourself more targets. <laughs> so set off like a like even like lose half a kilo a week or something like that, or so forth yeah and then so let's let's talk about your you know what's the scariest thing that's happened in your journey so far the scariest thing oh um you know it could have been obviously that bad challenge you know you know in training so that could have effectively wiped you out you know altogether you know i think Personally, something that happened to me in fitness, I would say the scariest thing that happened to me was actually suffering concussion. And that's what didn't take my trial with Celtic any further. So it was my last training session with the team. We were absolutely flying all great. The girls were brand new. And me and one of the other teammates went for a 50-50. And it couldn't have been any perfect. We both hit the ball at the same time. The ball went up in the air and burst. The two of us knocked heads together. And as we knocked heads together, we then came back the way and wrapped our head off the floor. So that was concussion. That was, that was probably the scariest thing because I totally felt like a different person. And I've never felt like that ever since. Yeah. I just remember being at Glass Green and the whole place was spinning and I just wanted to spew everywhere. Yeah. And I, my coaches were like ready to pick me up and like, you're okay. And I was just like, don't move me, just leave me. Aye. And I was just lying there for about a good 15, 20 minutes before I even, could even get up and move. Aye. But no, um... So, obviously, you've dealt with a lot of injuries, um, you know, sports injuries, but what's the worst one that you've ever dealt with? Uh, right, there's... Oh, right, okay, there's two. So, one of them was when I was a student. Um, I used to work with Billingham Rugby Club. Um, and we went... I can't actually remember where we were. I think it was... I think it was Bristol or Bradford we went to. And it was a away game for us the last 10 minutes of the, the game and we were literally five points behind. All we needed was, was one kind of conversion to win. Yeah. And we kept on pushing, kept on pushing. And our number eight, we had made a scrum in the last five, uh, last five yards, the last five metres even. And uh, our number eight was holding the back of the scrum and he's up and watching and he's up and watching. He's looking for an, a way to eventually get this ball over the try line. And he sees this little tiny opening between the opposition player and our scrum line. Our scrum and he picks the ball up and just makes this dive over. And as he takes the dive over, the opposition player deliberately takes his arm and smashes his arm against the boy's face, our player. Right. So that then dislocated his jaw. So I then had to run out the pitch and deal with an unconscious patient and a patient bleeding from the mouth. And as a student, 
you can do all your training and you know what to do and you know your anatomy and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. But autopilot kicks in and for like the first, I would say, 10 seconds, I was like, oh my God, what did I do here? But it was just like fizz, fizz, and it kick in yeah. and you just start doing autopilot mode. So thankfully we had a doctor there um, with, of what was the home team, but the opposition, the club doctor was there and he got us all to, like, to log roll. And once we logged rolled our player, Guys, the guys, everybody opened up and he thankfully took a breath, which was great. So we were all yeah. just like, so impressed. He was absolutely fine. Although he had to spend six months eating soup because he couldn't breathe his draw wild chat. Right, okay. And then, so you mentioned the second one. Yeah, the second one, that was probably the scariest. Um, I was only qualified about six months now. So this fresh graduate sports therapist, given my own team to work with, buzzing, excited. And we were down at Scotsdale training. And for whatever reason, I had no players to deal with, no rehab, no nothing. And I ended up helping the coaches out, just by feeding a few balls into a couple of yeah. the, the games that we're doing. And one of the lads was like, could you know you better go and help him? And I thought, that the group of boys I was working with, I looked at our team and I couldn't see anybody down the floor or anybody clutching anything. And our 21s were in the same pitch, but just next to us. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, who? And one of the players spun me around to the five pitches behind us and there was a guy like collapsed and curled up on the floor and he went him and I just automatically ran around and yeah. the guy actually suffered a cardiac arrest and the staff at the centre at Scotland between them and myself and then the two paramedics that arrived first we managed to get the guy back and there was an off-duty cop as well plus two off-duty um, doctors. So yeah. between the, us as a team we collectively managed to get the guy back and get him back with his heart beating in an ambulance and take him off yeah. to any and thankfully he was okay as well. Yeah. So Marie show is done CPR safe ones and it's saying that way I don't want any more. No, no, good. And then so for yourself, um who you know throughout your journey, who's yeah. been the most inspirational, you know, influential character or person um in your life that's helped, you know, pushed you on and motivated you? Um I would oh, there's quite a few. So I'm going to sound really cheesy here, but my mum and my grandma, they were definitely my big inspirations. Two very strong, powerful women. They used every inch of their soul and their belief to push me on. So yeah. as when I was at uni and I'm in tears, and I'm like, I don't want to be here, I want to come home. Um, they kept on pushing me a bit further forward and were like, you're fine, like, you can do it. You've only got a year left, you've only got a year and a half to go. It's a doddle. So they certainly gave me that kick up the back to keep pushing on and understand that when things are hard, if you keep pushing through it, it will become easier and they'll become a hell of a lot better. Yeah. So I would say they definitely were. But as a female in sport, my biggest, especially as a football fan as well, my biggest idol is Julie Fleeton. So right. she was Scotland's highest cap goal scorer and a cap player. Um, and I don't, I think for, for that young age anyway, as I get out playing football, you, there was never really that turn on the tail and there's somebody playing. So when I first heard about her, um, it was actually down at the, the, the Scottish schools. And it turns out the girl who was taking that as well was Amy McDonald, who, who also played with Scotland. But I didn't realise at the time I was never into women's football. Yeah. And it wasn't two years later, I was like, hang on a minute, I seen her on the tail. She used to coach me at Scottish schools. Yeah. So when you had girls like that and you seen them play, you were like, that was that kind of sport achievement. You go, I want to try and be them. I want to be them on that pitch. 
Yeah. Fortunately, it worked out for me, but maybe do it a different way. Nah, good. And then, so before we round up, I'm going to give you quick fire questions. Oh God, I hate these. <laughs> I'll lock it up somehow. Not at all. So, long distance or short runs? Oh, short runs. Okay. Cardio or weights? Weights. Crossfit, yes or no? Definitely no. <laughs> Lift fast or slow? Ooh. Lift slow. Better technique. Oh, good. <laughs> Heavy <laughs> resistance or light? Say that again, heavy resistance. Heavy resistance or light? Oh, um, heavy. Okay, now I think I know the answer to this one already. But is yes or no? Definitely no. <laughs> they're, they're getting scrubbed off the platform like the other one. Never doing fuckers again. <laughs> and then the last one, squat or deadlift? Oh, a squat. A squat. Definitely squat, yeah. Okay, so what's your... What's your best accomplishment that you've achieved within your journey? Um, I would say so far opening the clinic. Yeah. So having done all the work and put in all the effort, being now able to open up a clinic that was actually something that I never ever wanted to do. Um, I didn't want to be self-employed. I didn't want to be in a clinic. I always wanted to be in a sporting environment. Yeah. Me being amongst people is definitely where I thrive and where I exceed in. But things happen, things don't go the way you want them to go. Um, and again, bad advice, but you take that advice hoping it's going to turn into something else and unfortunately it doesn't. So it opened the door for me. And did I regret it? No, I don't. Have I learnt from it? Yeah, definitely have. Yeah. And then, so at your clinic, do you work mm -hmm. yourself? Yeah. 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 No, good. And then, so... Where can people find you, you know, like social media and online, etc. Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter. However, I don't really use Twitter most of the time. I've never been able to get into the whole Twitter thing. I don't understand it. Nah, I, I've only recently got into Twitter. <laughs> nah, it's, it's not my cup of tea, I must admit. Um, but yeah, you can find me there at KD Sports Indy Clinic. Um, and that's I'm based in Bellhouton Sports Centre. Nah, good. And then, so... Tell me about your, your business plan. Where, where would you like to see your, your clinic between, you know, the next year to five years? Uh, oh, right, there's loads of things I want to do. So as a business itself, I would like to be able to open up my own clinic. Yeah. Where I've got a team around me, so I'm thinking sports massage, sports massage therapist, even maybe a couple of PTs working as well. Yeah. And I would like to build that team around as well. You've got us all under one roof. So someone who's got an injury can, again, come and speak to me if we can deal with injury. Once they get bypassed the injury and the rehab, I can send them on to PTs and they can work from there. Yeah. The injury isn't healing as a foot injury, for example, or maybe the foot is causing something. We can send them to the podiatrist and they can look at their gait and things like that and understand what's going wrong and where. Um, and just because I'm not a fan of massage, I'll bring a massage therapist in and yeah. they can come on with that. But... Yeah, I would, I would love to be able to own one clinic one day. So I just need to keep working hard and keep pushing myself. Nah, okay. good. Nah, fantastic. Sounds fantastic. So what would... Have you got any questions for myself before we round up? Yeah, so what got you into PT? Like, why did you become a personal trainer? So <clears throat> um, in 2013, um, I was working at Godwell's uh, Leisure Centre. So I was working on the pool in there. 
and I was a wee bit heavier. So I started uh, going to the gym. I started uh, going to spin and metafit. I used to do those classes back to back, five times a week, right enough. Uh, yeah. I done it for six weeks. So when you know when I get involved with something, I, you know I go full pelt. Yeah. Um, but you know. Go hard or go home, one of them. Aye. So Paul Wallace and Scott McCutcheon, two instructors within Glasgow Club, um, they gave me, they introduced me to the classes and gave me a gym program, gave me nutrition advice, and then within the six weeks, I lost to a stone. So. Well done, you. Um. So it was based on that, you know. Those guys helped me out, so um, maybe a year or two later, I went and put myself through my gym instructor, and then on the back of that, I got my gym instructor, and then I started community classes, like Boxercise, and Shelton Community Centre, Toe Cross, and I ran boot camps, and Kettlebells, Metafit, and then through time, I passed my uh, PT, and then, you know, from those guys helped me, I want to help other people. And then now I've been involved within the industry for so many years that starting the podcast is me, you know, trying to create a different angle for myself to find out everybody's stories and, you know, where we started, how we got here and where we want to, what we want to achieve in the next couple of years. Is there any stories you've heard so far where you're like, wow, I really did that? There's quite a few now, so... Um, I think this is a for yourself is like maybe interview 29 or 30 that I've done. Um, just a few then? Just a few, aye. Um, but the plan is that, you know, I'm going to keep going with this and, and yeah. see where it goes, you know, because there's so many. Because, like, excuse me, I had uh, an ex footballer on today, uh, Rafe Rovers, and then I had a woman from Essex in England earlier and she does open water swimming so right. everybody's on a different path yeah definitely and it, I suppose it'd be good, good to hear all these different stories and put them all together and understand that a lot of people had to start from somewhere so it's great to hear where they've started from and potentially take their story and give it to somebody else and say this person's in the same choice as you at one point yeah, here's where I, they are now and I think um, I think you know majority of the stories I've heard you know with people getting involved becoming, you know, fitness instructors, personal trainers, etc., is their own experience of, you know, having that, you know, somebody, you know, losing weight, etc., and then they just want to learn the knowledge and then pass that on now as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of where some of my story came from as well, because like I said, when I got injured, that was how I obviously get into sports therapy. But for me, I only get, in, I really only get into it because I couldn't get a physical appointment anywhere. And at the time, mom, she was a single parent. My dad, he unfortunately passed away when I was younger. So mom being a single parent and bringing up two kids, she couldn't afford to take us to visuals because they were like 40 and 50 quid a session. So for me, I wanted to bring that. And again, that was probably the reason why the clinic was easy to take on because I took that experience and thought, actually, if I can create somewhere where injury access is cheap and available or even accessible to folk, I can then push that a bit forward. And I think that's kind of what pushes you. You take your own experiences you take experiences from what you've heard of before and then you try and push it to then help others. It's a great achievement. Ah, totally. Um, any other questions before we round up? Uh, right. Sugar or savoury? Or sweet or savoury even? Uh, well, I'm a bit of a sweet tooth myself. 
<laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm the same. I mean, I must admit that's probably my biggest struggle when it comes to more fitness thing is I can do the exercise, but I can't stay away from the tweet stuff. I've uh, I've kind of took a, a a liking to it. It's became my favourite show because uh, Tim Hortons. So <laughs> oh, I must admit I don't like a Tim Hortons. I'm not a fan. No, dear me. See, from there. my pal, she's the same. She loves it. She actually gets it in half and I say I don't like it. She's like, <laughs> I like you. Aye, but nah, eh, aye, I'm a sweet tooth. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I think you need the expression of doing exercise all day. You need a bit of sugar somewhere, don't you? Nah, definitely. Um, but no, thanks for your time, Katrina. Not a problem, thank you. It was nice working with you. Cheers. Take care. Bye.